Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Dissecting the Magic. I am Elijah. My name is Adam. And today we're going to be discussing about a really important character, the arch nemesis himself. The main antagonist, Lord Voldemort. Oh, interesting stuff. And uh, today we're actually going to follow uh, a different sort of uh, pattern that we have been doing in the past episodes. Mm. Mainly because we've got something really special prepared for our second uh, Voldemort episode. Something that I'm not going to disclose now. I don't want to get into it. I want to keep it as a playful surprise. Uh, however, yeah, today we're going to discuss uh, the past and the present all together mm. uh, instead of just dividing it into two. Yeah, so we're going to be discussing Tom Riddle's uh, early days, his family, his beginnings, uh, his time at Hogwarts, and then his eventual transformation into the character that we know today. Uh, so we're going to be discussing all the books uh, right up until the very final moment and then potentially uh, what the character had in store for us in the future. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, I'm going to do something that um, I, I promised myself I wouldn't do. However, why not? I'm going to put Adam on the spot oh. right now. Adam, okay. our listeners don't know. However, you do an amazing Lord Voldemort impression. No, I do not. Yes, I'm I not know. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. But come on, just give us a little bit. I don't do any Voldemort impression yes, you at do. all. Yes, you do. Go ahead. Um, just to... I've got Cedric Diggory's wand here, so I do feel very guilty right now <laughs> for killing him off in such a way as going. Where are we That's literally. <laughs> oh god! Oh, fun times. It's just that voice. It's so nasal, yeah. isn't it? It's like, so horribly nasal. Voldemort's voice, despite having no nose. Uh, yeah, it's still very yeah, nasal. Which is a uh... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pity, isn't it? It's a pity. It's a little bit of a... It's a little bit of a pity there, but hey-ho. Hey-ho, indeed. He has to sacrifice something. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, let's go back at mm. the beginning. Let's yes. start with where it all began. Yes, back in the days of Tom Riddle. Indeed, indeed. And I think, when you think about Voldemort, what's the first thing that comes to your head, Adam? Well, immediately, I think of a really evil character. So, when we first were introduced to Voldemort, I think he was definitely not introduced as something that was human. He was introduced oh. as something that was very much a beast or like a, uh, a big sort of monster as yeah. opposed to an actual human being. I think the only thing that really changed was when uh, McGonagall said in the first book, think of all those people he's killed. Yeah. Uh, all those people he's killed, all those people he's massacred, he couldn't kill a little boy. I think that sort of drove home that there was something else there, maybe? Yeah. More uh, human? Uh, absolutely. I like, um, I like this introduction that we get um, when Harry starts learning about Voldemort. Mm. And that's when I, you know, because at the beginning, when we have the first sort of like chapter in the book, mm. uh, whilst Dumbledore and McGonagall are talking about, you know, what what happened, yeah. um, we, don't get, we don't really get a sense of Voldemort there. We just get a sense of like something has happened. Yeah. Uh, where is this book going to take us? And, you know, however, we we've, were first properly introduced... Um, to Voldemort when Hagrid and Harry are in the Leaky Cauldron. Yes. And, mm. and we're introduced to these, you know, to this sort of beast, as you yeah. said it so perfectly, mm. because Har Hagrid cannot even say his name, yeah. you know. And how dangerous is that, you know? Yeah. You mean because Hagrid is already shown to us as a really big character, mm. really almost like something to be feared, but even though he's a really gentle giant, exactly. then he's scared to say the name of, yeah. you know, of 
of, of, of Lord Voldemort. And, and that's why I like uh, J.K. Rowling so much. Mm. You know, how powerful is this imagery here mm. of uh, a character so evil, yeah. a character that has done so, so much wrong yeah. that people are still afraid to say his name. Yeah, I think that's a really like you know really strong point there. Exactly, because someone's name is what defines them, mm. right? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, however, not being able to say the name, mm. it's such powerful imagery. You know, it yeah. immediately says power and evil. Oh and yes, beautiful. It, yeah, and if he can't be mentioned like that, it's just such a yeah really really powerful thing. But I think as well, like looking back at his school days as well, you can immediately get a sense of power there as well because even that, you even get a sense of insecurity because he's very insecure about, not in a sense of he's like you know, insecure about his weight or insecure about you know, what he looks like. He's a very handsome lad. He's very intelligent. He goes to the school as an orphan, an intelligent orphan who takes the school by, you know, by storm. Yeah. All the teachers say he's got the potential to be a minister for magic. Slughorn says, you know, you've got such a potential in politics. You're going to change the wizarding world. You know, he's got the potential to be young Dumbledore. Absolutely, absolutely. And yet he hates his own name, Tom Riddle. You know, well, it's the name of a muggle. Exactly. And then he just drops the name forever when he finds out it's a muggle and that his mother should have been a muggle because she died because of her lack of power. <laughs> when actually it was, you know, something very different. It was, you know, the, the, the sort of pure, I don't know, the, the neglect that his mother, Merope Gaunt, for those listeners who don't know, Merope yeah. Gaunt was Voldemort's mother uh, when she was abandoned uh, by Tom Riddle Sr., um, who uh, we obviously meet in the fourth and fifth book uh, fourth and sixth yeah. book sorry uh, we sort of introduced that kind of like a really snobbish character and he mm -hmm. abandons her and Tom Riddle just drops that name eventually and becomes Lord Voldemort obviously killing his his father yeah. and let's, grandparents let's actually let's take it back yeah and let's why don't we just set the scene yeah and, and start at the very very beginning of Lord Voldemort and let's start um, with their parents mm. so yes. let's let's go there and Adam, take us take us to the beginning, even before Voldemort was actually birthed. Um, yeah, so it's in the very very early days of Voldemort. Yeah. So he was so uh, Merope Gaunt and uh, the Gaunt family, obviously related to Slytherin down Slytherin's line. So Voldemort is obviously a, the heir of Slytherin, quite naturally, uh, down the Gaunt line. And the Gaunt line were obviously a really horrible family uh, from sort of in quite a rural area. Mm -hmm. They pretty much kept themselves to themselves. You can tell that they were deeply unpopular, uh, even though they were a line of a really you know, wizarding royalty, in fact. Uh, Merope Gaunt was um, actually a very damaged witch. She, you know, didn't have a lot of power. She held all that power in, I think. She was uh, forced to have to kind of conceal her power. That's an, inter that's an interesting mm. uh, proposition, an interesting premise mm. in here. Um, how the magical society judges others um, in their power. Mm. Oh, yes. Um, I think, know, yeah, this one is quite a different... I think this one is really, really interesting because even though she is part of a really magical family, she's part of the Gaunt. Of the so, Gaunt, you know, heirs of slavery. Oh, you yeah. Know, that's something to be proud of. Oh, yeah. Uh, in their view, mm. obviously. I think it may be her, maybe her status as a female, even. Yeah, I think that's a judgment on that because, you know, Morphine Gaunt and uh, Marvolo Gaunt, uh, Marvolo being uh, Voldemort's grandfather, they really, you know, they revered each other. Yeah. as males they very much revered each other Morphine was very much allowed to use his power he had a knife he had a wand you know, so it's even a, quite a patriarchal society mm, it is yeah, um, exactly. yeah. which which later on um, we we see a lot of uh, powerful females oh, you know yeah. in the 
in the books and in the movies and so mm. on and so forth. But uh, it's it's interesting to see how uh, kind of JK here mm. is uh, relating to real life. Because, oh, yeah. uh, because in those times, society was quite patriarchal. And oh, yeah. in these times, society that, sadly is quite patriarchal. It is, yeah. Um, That's probably about 1920s, yeah. I would say, because he was born in 1926. So it, it could yeah. be... Um, it's, it's it's interesting how um, what she does later on when she finds um, the Rido yeah. family and when when she finds him and how she changes mm. um, kind of everything and she takes a stand yeah. sort of doesn't she and she lets range her powers like Dumbledore says she's exactly. able to use her powers so um, even though she controls Riddle Senior yeah and you know he was born, Voldemort was born out of love. Yeah. So of, to yeah. to just to abbreviate for those listeners uh, that don't n- know the story as much, Merope just kind of falls in love with mm-hmm. a muggle, uh, Riddle, um, which are just in the same village, just in in the village above, right? Yeah. So then, they're in uh, Great Hangleton, and yeah. then there's Little Hangleton, yeah. which is a village where the Riddles are, exactly. and Merope and uh, her family, the Gaunts, are living in a shack just outside the village. Yeah. And uh, obviously she falls in love with him and uh, he he does not love her back. Uh, so what she decides to do is that she decides to use magic to actually uh, win his love. Mm. Uh, he, I think, does he give him a potion? Yeah, love potion. Love yeah. potion. Um, so love is not, it's not real love, mm. you know, it's, it's magical love, it's fake love. Yeah. But they kind of, you know, they go on their merry way and they escape uh, the gaunt kind of yeah. villa where they live and they where, where do they go afterwards uh, it's not really known where they go um, I think they obviously ran away uh, yeah. that caused a massive scandal in the town the riddles were sort of disowned from there because yeah. they you know Tom Riddle senior uh, sorry Tom Riddle uh, Tom Riddle's father uh, sort of disowned his son after he realized that his son ran away with a with a tramp and then when eventually it came out that um, she eventually seduced him he obviously came back home so not is a lot is really known about that time and then somehow she ends up in london yeah so somehow merope ends up in london sells the locket to um borgen and burks uh, mm-hmm. to get some money and then she eventually gives birth in an orphanage uh walls orphanage uh, which is the birthplace of yeah. lord of Voldemort. little uh, little addendum here before we yeah. digress too much um it's interesting how the gaunts are portrayed as trampy yes yes uh it's interesting because they come from such a high status yeah and i tried to say this in my bushes yeah <laughs> to high status yeah uh, however uh you you look at their house you look at how they live they, mm. they live in, in, in a messy house oh, yeah. trashy lives uh, they don't really do much mm. and um it's interesting how much um you know they 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 believe so much in their high status that they don't even realize that they 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 are nothing you yeah, know, anymore. Exactly. Uh, they they are just a shadow of what the Gond family used to be. Exactly. And yeah. I lo- I like that powerful imagery of of people who who think they are, you know, at the top of the pyramid mm. and actually they absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. You know? They they lived in squalor because they squandered all of their gold, as yeah. Dumbledore said. Um, but yeah, uh, so from that point on, obviously when Merope died eventually, so yeah. obviously she of sadness. Died hmm? I think she dies of sadness, right? Of heartbreak. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Well, she. Uh, yeah. Well, she died in childbirth, so maybe yeah. she, at that time, I suppose that was quite a 1926. That would have been a sadly a regular thing. Yeah. Uh, because of course she was quite 
weak at that uh, time. Yeah, she was very weak from childbirth. She was weak yeah. from lack of magic. Mm. Absolutely, especially because she found herself alone. And obviously, uh, the what happened is that the love potion runs off, mm. and uh, you know. The, the dad, you know, Voldemort's dad just realizes that yeah. he's actually not in love with Merope uh, and he runs away, leaving, yeah. leaving her completely alone. Yes. Uh, and pregnant. And pregnant, yeah, exactly. And then she dies at birth. Uh, and then we have little Tom yes. Riddle. Yes. Uh, he uh, was described as not crying very much, a very sort of quiet child, um, but also bullying as well. So there's a lot of uh, talk of uh, Riddle uh, bullying younger children. Um, which is something that's relayed to Dumbledore. Um, so at some point, Tom Riddle also visited the cave he would eventually use to store Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that was a powerfully magical site that somehow attracted Tom Riddle there. Could be, could be. It could be anything, you know. It was, that's a really mysterious, I think, time. Mm-hmm. Because like, we don't really know much about Tom Riddle's early life up until, well, from Hogwarts onwards, because obviously Dumbledore goes to visit him. Which I think is a huge twist in the story. Isn't it, it? it really is, yeah. Because you know that's that's the two most powerful characters meeting for the first time. One isn't a younger man, one is a boy. It's you know really quite. It's interesting um, that J.K. decided to make Voldemort an orphan, and decided mm-hmm. to make uh, Voldemort's you know um, antithesis Harry yeah. another orphan. So they, yeah. it, it's interesting how they have these things in common and how. Um, how again she's sort of representing this duality of yeah. bad and good, and and how two things, two two people that come from the same background end up in totally different headspaces. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is it's really interesting, at least for me. Mm. Um, I think uh, Bold- uh, Harry had something Voldemort didn't. He had a mother's love to protect him, yeah. whereas Voldemort didn't. He was just abandoned, and I yeah. think he was born out of love, um, and he was just born a very evil child i think full of neglect yeah i think so i don't i don't necessarily agree with the fact that like um because the end result is that neither harry or tom uh, and i'm gonna call him tom because at this time he was tom yeah he was noel or voldemort um that harry and tom um had too much um love you know around them because because lily died when Harry was really young, yeah, when Harry true, was a yeah. year old. Mm. So I'm not going to... Yeah, I understand that the sacrifice that Lily made, but I yeah. understand that sacrifice more of a... directed more towards the magic around it than not yeah. towards the development mm. of the child. Exactly. Um, so I think, in my opinion, Lord Voldemort, Tom Riddle and Harry had similar development. Oh, yeah, similar um, development, very different outcome. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm quite sure that you would put Harry in the same orphanage where Tom grew up, and you would still have Harry's final product. You would still yeah, have that's very the same interesting, kind of actually. No, you would, you would. Which is, actually, yeah, that's a really cool point, actually. It's interesting, because Dumbledore makes that exact same point. He says, um, oh, in the fourth book, he says about Barty Crouch Jr., he said, look at that boy, look what he made of his life. It's not the, uh, it's not the choices you make, it's how you it's not it's not the upbringing you have it's the choices you make on the way absolutely and i completely absolutely. agree with that it's um, really cool because nobody's necessarily defined by you know their social upbringing oh yeah as much as they define themselves by it yeah exactly um but yeah um we, we digress <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very no it's a really valid point um bringing that up there actually because uh, then obviously Tom goes to Hogwarts after Dumbledore's met him. Mm-hmm. He then goes to Hogwarts. I think Hogwarts is escape. It's yeah, kinda, it's the same drive that Harry had. Harry was like, I finally get to leave the Dursleys. 
um, Tom is like, I am special. Yeah. Thank God. Because yeah. I, th- I thought I was, but I did not have proof until now. You yeah. know, this weird bearded man coming to my house and lit my wardrobe on fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, now he realizes that he's... And told me I was special. And I am. Yeah. And how great is that, right? And he gets to go to Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, which obviously it's a massive boost to the ego. Yeah, that is really Especially massive. for somebody who... Um, at that age, such a young age, is already showing controlling and megalomaniac tendencies. Yes, he's very much showing a real control at that time. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think control is something that we're going to see drives Tom Riddle quite a lot. It is, yeah. Throughout his years at Hogwarts, he's, I mean, obviously there's the opening of the Chamber of Secrets. Absolutely. He's clearly an intelligent and popular boy. But there's something else there that no one else notices. But I think Slughorn has a little glimpse of that. Dumbledore definitely does. Why think? Why do you think? Why do you think Dumbledore doesn't trust him? What do you think about? Obviously, we have the original meeting where uh, Tom Riddle let it slip that he's a parcel tongue. But why else do you think? I don't think being a parcel tongue is something that would make <coughs> Dumbledore as wary as we would think. Yeah, why I do, see Dumbledore as somebody who wouldn't judge somebody else for their lineage. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't think being a parcel tongue defines you as a human it just says that you come from a family directed to to salathar slittering or yeah or at least like some kind of you know yeah you, you know you know power yeah, yeah you yeah. know where i'm going with hmm. like i don't necessarily think that uh, knowing parcel tongue makes you bad no no, no i think killing sure. humans make you bad <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but not knowing parcel tongue exactly so i yeah. don't think i think dumbledore sees that eagerness to to control and that eagerness of to to acquire power mm. and Dumbledore more than anybody knows that this is dangerous oh yeah because Dumbledore he's had it himself yeah and has seen like it mm. and seen it on Grindelwald yeah oh that's interesting yeah so he's, he's seen it of... before he's no strange of these ideological views and these yeah these hunger <clears throat> he so... sees the same control in Voldemort that he saw him in, him, in himself absolutely but he knows that Tom Riddle, he knows, as of the opening of the Chamber of Secrets, I think, he knows, hang on, there's something really not right well, with this yeah. kid. And, and here, it's easy to put two and two together. Yeah. And, and here, it maybe could be because of the parcel tongue. Because, as we know, you need the hair... The hair? Yeah. <laughs> the elephant in the room is there back! Elijah is foreign! <laughs> <laughs> the heir of Slytherin yeah. to open the chamber. And Tom Riddle speaks parcel tongue. Yeah. However, if you put... if So... Consequentially, if you put two and two together, you you can see that like Tom Riddle may be the one opening the chamber, right? Yeah, if exactly. That, that yeah. Makes sense. And Dumbledore is no stupid. Oh yeah. Um. So he he does he does probably know. Um, Tom Riddle's involved, but he he yeah. can't directly link him to anything. No, it's again it's, this passiveness. Yeah, that, exactly. That defines Dumbledore. Yeah, <laughs> that, he is very passive about that. This that really stuff, annoying yeah. passiveness <laughs> that defines him. Oh, it's um, very strange. Yeah. I think the next big thing that happens is after Hogwarts, because Tom Riddle obviously spends time, learns about Horcruxes, all of that. He creates a Horcrux at school, which yeah. is no doubt incredibly painful and powerful. Yeah. It probably would have ripped him apart. He probably would have been like yeah. quite badly broken after he'd done I that. Think... With Myrtle's death, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think now we can refer to him as Lord Voldemort. Oh, yes. I think the moment that he splits his soul in half... He's no Tom Riddle anymore. Oh, no. You know he's why? Because yeah. he's not. Oh, 
Wow, exactly. you took it out of my mouth. Absolutely. He's absolutely He's not no human, human anymore. Therefore, Tom Riddle is dead. Exactly. He's... Tom Riddle died with Myrtle. Oh, yeah. The real Tom Riddle like went at that point. That Absolutely. is a very cool analogy, actually. I've not thought of it like that. That is so cool. He did. He died with, with Myrtle. The, that um, part of him died with Myrtle. Um, but, yeah, and then I think after that, because when he finally did this and then he left school, obviously with great expectations around him that he was going to make you know, uh, the next Minister of Magic and he was going to take over the ministry and all this and then went to work in a shop and then a few months later disappeared completely for 10 years. Now, he went to work in a shop. Yes. What shop did he go to? Borgin and Burks. And what happened there? So he eventually collected his two next Horcruxes. So the locket and the diadem, I believe? Yeah. yeah no, the, it was no, the locket no, no. and the cup. Yeah, the cup. The cup of Hufflepuff um, and the locket of... Because he went to these old ladies' house yeah. and collected from there, right? Exactly. Um, but the the locket, um, that was that's quite a powerful thing, right? Yeah. I can imagine if I, if I was in his position, after learning um, what my mother did and so on and so forth, yes. um, that locket would mean a lot to me. Yeah, oh yeah. So, I like the fact there's a passage in the book where it said his eyes flash scarlet. Yeah. For a second, his eyes flashed scarlet, and she saw um, Hepzibah Smith, the, that that character, saw in his eyes that he had changed, and she was like, "Oh!" And then, for a realized, she thought it was a trick of a light, and then he eventually killed her. So it's, like, yeah. it's a really quite a big moment that, and then he disappears for ten years, which yeah. I find really cool. So, what did he do? I don't want to know. I don't want to know either, because you know, um, yeah. Because Dumbledore says he sank so deep into the dark arts, he came back unrecognisable. And then in the next memory we see in the sixth book, he comes back and his face is completely distorted. I like to think that he doesn't look the same as he does in the later books. I like to think that that version of Voldemort was completely different looking. So mm. his face was different. Obviously, he's hairless, like all this kind of stuff. Like he looks completely different. And then when he regenerates in book number four, mm. he's he looks like a snake he looks yeah. really different he's used a different formula exactly absolutely i think i think what do you think that he starts developing his ideologies because there's a lot of when you look at lord voldemort especially mm. what he did in the uh, later years mm. it's quite um national socialist you know what i mean it's quite it's quite nazi he's, oh yeah is he treats um, the in-group, which are the pure-blooded mm. people, and then there's the out-group, which are the muggles and muggle-related yeah. um, wizards. When, when, did, when did he develop this sort of um, belief system? I think from an early age. You think? Because he's always been quite elitist, even at Hogwarts. Like, he was very much... Because he killed... I mean, he went to kill Muggleborns. Yeah. He went to purge the school of Muggleborns. Uh, his own elitism at the orphanage, that he was better than the rest of them. Know, his own belief that he was pure blood, even though he's half blood. I okay. think from the moment he found out that his dad's a muggle, but I think that was from there. You know. Do you do you think it? Was... Oh yeah, I I would think so. So, you, oh, I'm 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 getting quite excited because, um, I'm start I'm gonna start to hypothesize. Okay, cool. But when I hypothesize, I go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> what if? Um, I'm very mind that this is a hypothesis. This yeah. is not. Um, you know. A truth, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going to shout out to J.K. Rowling. And if you listen to these and you think I'm absolutely wrong, then please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if um, the fact that uh, Voldemort's dad was a muggle um, instilled this kind of hatred towards um, these um, 
you know, sort of people, muggles. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that he started learning about his lineage mm -hmm. um, gave him something to um, kind of reclude himself onto. Therefore, because of this um, slithering belief system, um, becomes so important mm. for him because it's the only thing he actually has. You know, yes. the thing that makes him different, the thing that makes him special, he has to adopt um, this belief system as his own. Oh yes, um, which means that he needs to believe that people who are pure-blooded are way superior than people who are not. People mm. who are like half-bloods or mud-bloods. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then this kind of this this mental dissonance you know this cognitive dissonance mm. that he's half lot yes um which is also you know it's like putting wood to the fire because his father who he hates so much was a muggle mm. and made him a half lot so he's i don't know it's a lot it's, it's like an infection to the system isn't it yeah it really is to a pure blood lion and lineage yeah exactly and then there's this cognitive dissonance it's quite mm. it's quite interesting quite yeah. similar to for example um Hitler wanting to create this Aryan race yes. with uh, blonde hair and blue eyes, yet you look at Hitler and he's uh, short with brown hair, yeah. well, black hair and, yeah. and brown eyes. Uh, and you've got the same. Voldemort yeah. being a half-blood, wanting to create this society of, of pure, blood, pure yeah. blood. Exactly. Um, so it's quite interesting. It is. It's a really interesting sort of glamour he, he has. Like... Just uh, yeah, just thinking about the, his sort of character, his psyche, everything about him. He was very much about just leadership and control and wanting more. Yeah. Like, he wants to live forever to conquer, you know, the the um, the rest of, of, of the wisdom world. Yeah. He would eventually conquer the entire wisdom world. Eventually, yeah. you know, he would have taken over entirely. Exactly. Um, and he wants to. He fears death, a death which is at the same time it's so human. Oh yeah, massively human. It's so human. I I empathize a lot with. Um, with Lord Voldemort because I do fear death a lot. Mm. Um, um, it's it's one everybody has you know their own kind of fears. And yeah. Death is one of mine. I think it's one it's a very of, logical. Yeah, fear, it's quite yeah. a logical fear. Um, but I think he fears death because he he's, it's the only thing theoretically he cannot really stop. No, exactly. Um, it, it is. Yeah. However, he kind of does, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, you know. He eventually. Yeah. He eventually. Obviously. He dies at the end of the books, and he but he dies younger than Voldemort. He doesn't even live to a full, you know, life yeah. span. He's yeah. only seventy something years old when he yeah. dies. And even that, I mean, even though that's old by by all accounts, that is still old. But that's not, you know, he didn't live to to a hundred or something. Dumbledore lived to about one hundred and seventeen, one yeah. hundred sixteen, one hundred seventeen. He yeah. lived to a very old age, you, yeah. you know, and, and yet Tom Riddle lived to about seventy six or something like that, which is, you know. Quite so, remarkable. what would you say it's his drive? You know, what what is what what makes Tom Riddle want to become Lord Voldemort? I think just an ambition to be different, an ambition to be you know to uphold the family name, mm -hmm. you know, the next Salazar Slytherin or something like that. Maybe yeah. to uphold that side of him to not be a Muggle because Tom again quite a, a you know a, a quite a common name, isn't it? Tom, yeah. as he says, Tom a common name, Tom Riddle. He even says that as a little boy. It's yeah. a common, nasty, common name. You know, it's, he wants to remove all of that. He wants to be different. He wants to be at the very top of power, I think. That's yeah. his drive. Yeah, I think he, his drive is to... His drive is more towards himself than not towards others, you mm. know. When people, when people want to be great, they yeah. don't tend to be great 
they don't tend to want to be great because of themselves. They tend to uh, want to show the people that underestimate them oh, yeah. that they are great. However, with with Lord Voldemort, it's different. His hunger for power does not come for a need mm. to act for. Does not come from a need of acceptance oh, yes. of other people. He does not care about other people. He couldn't care less. It's about himself. Oh yeah. It's about the understanding that he is something that needs to be feared. He is something oh, yeah. um, that needs to be remembered, you know? Yeah, he wants to have that name and by all yeah. accounts he And does. I say something, I don't say I don't say someone. Yeah. I say something. Some, exactly, because yeah. it's it's a, a non human thing. Yeah. At the end of the day he, he was not human in any respect. Yeah. Um I think Voldemort was definitely like up there with the name of great wizards, but not for a good reason. Like Ollivander says, he did great things, terrible but great. Terrible, yes. Yes. That's great. It was so good. It really is. A, it really was that moment, isn't yeah. it? It really is. Um, it's it just interesting how um, how much he has in common with Harry. Yeah, he does, actually. He's Even though, you know, despite everything, they are so in common. They're both orphans. Yeah. Like Tom Riddle says, both orphans, dark-haired, yeah. uh, same sort of facial similarities, uh, parcel tongues, uh, both, you know, against the rules. Yeah, quite popular. Indeed, indeed. You know, is they are very common, but their goals end up so differently. Yeah, because um, I mean, again, we haven't done, we haven't dissected Harry, no. but I'm quite sure once we say dissect Harry, there's there's a lot of love that drives. Oh him. yeah. And so far, have we spoken about love? No, no. not at all. Not in a, not in the slightest. Voldemort has no love. Uh, He's not a character with love in him at all. He's just no. a you know textbook villain at the end yeah. of the day. Um, even though it's obviously, I, I hate to obviously use that phrase because he's such a beautifully written character. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't say it's, yeah, I wouldn't I say, say textbook. textbook yeah. No, but I think he is definitely, by all accounts, a villain that we remember because we associate everything with him as a villain. Absolutely. In a way, but we look at Harry and there's so many complexities to that character that I think, I think are quite fascinating. Even as an older character, he is still quite do you you think, know, fascinating. You, do you think Voldemort um, ever had friends? Uh, I think he did have, probably had some, but I wouldn't say he regarded them as friends. Maybe he regarded them, maybe in in a slightly different way, something as a means to an end. Yeah, most probably. But I think he had some degree of care over people like Bellatrix and um, Yaxley and not Yaxley, sorry, Bellatrix and uh, Rodolphus Lestrange. Yeah. You know, all of those characters. I think he had some degree of care for them because they were his lieutenants. They were. He does care for Nagini though. Oh, Nagini, yeah, he does care for Nagini, like, completely. But that's, again, a snake. That's something that upholds the name of Slytherin. Is yeah, a but it's, it's still a live creature. Oh, yeah, that could, is... Could, yeah. We, could we say that's love? I I'm trying to... Because so. the way... Um, I don't, and she did care for him when he I was... I don't want us to get confounded by the fact that we know he's evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Completely. I Yeah, I completely agree, actually. Um, so yes, I suppose in that sense, if we're talking about it in that sense, and yes, he did have a love of Nagini because she cared for him when he was sick. You know, she provided milk when he was, you know, in in a de- decrepit state after the attack on Harry. Do snakes provide milk? Somehow, yeah, it's said in the book. It, well, that's what they say. In the, in but they the are book. not mammals, are they? But they said Nagini provided milk. Can we say? I don't know. That's what they said. Magical milk. Yeah, Magi- magical milk. Magical she- reptilian milk. Or some kind of something rather. Milk Nagini, I think he says. That's what that's what Voldemort says to to Peter Pettigrew. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Do you want to milk Nagini? Uh, you need still need to milk who would, who will milk Nagini and something like something about something to do with her kept him alive while he was fair enough fair enough I mean uh, I mean she so she, she effectively looked after him and yeah. he sees that as a as a kind of love in a sense that well something and he loved Hogwarts absolutely I uh, mean Hogwarts was the escape wasn't yeah, it yeah Hogwarts was the escape and even though Hogwarts is a building you still have an emotional loving attachment to a building absolutely because a building is still living it's just not living in a conventional sense absolutely absolutely. It, it's got life in the things that you give to it there is um, there is something that you just reminded me of mm-hmm. uh, when you said Peter Pettigrew and that is when Peter Pettigrew gives his hand mm-hmm. um, and puts his hand in the cauldron yeah. to you know sort of like get the body of Lord Voldemort mm-hmm. in the fourth book what's the first thing well second thing um, Lord Voldemort does he what do you mean when he rises out of the cauldron um, not the first thing, but it's, it's it's specified that it's not the first thing in the book. But he gives... Wormtail a hand, his hand. Yeah. Oh, yes, because in the, the first one he puts yeah, his he, wands to the, to, to, to the, the dark the mark. mark. And then he gives him a hand. A hand. He, he gives him uh, the so hand. So he's able to, to understand that but then Peter... That has sacrificed his hand mm. for him. Well, yeah, that is true. I suppose he has sacrificed, even though Peter Pettigrew was... Uh, we would get to dissect Peter Pettigrew at another point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, he, he, he did that out of, not cowardice, but he did it out of the fact that Voldemort was then going to rise and... Oh, yeah, yeah, him. absolutely. But um, I, don't, I don't really uh, say these about Peter. Yeah. I'm talking about Lord Voldemort himself. Yeah, so he, he was gives he, him a hand, he was yeah. able to understand that like these 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 But the hands was then used to kill him. Yeah. It had a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, but but still. Okay, yeah. I could, I suppose I could agree on that one. That is a that is that is a very true point. He did give yeah, he gave Peter Pettigrew back something and he also rewarded the Lestranges. Yeah. And it, he you know, didn't kill that child when he went to kill Harry because there was a child saw Voldemort's face and ran away. And then Voldemort had the moment of going, should I kill him? No, unnecessary, quite unnecessary. Those are the words used. You know, I will not kill something else if it's running away from me. So, you know, he I suppose he did. So he, there, are, there are some intricacies that like, you know, he's not a monster. Well, he is a monster. But he's not just... in the sense of he's not entirely without remorse. Exactly. He has a remorse. He, he spared Severus Snape. Exactly. You know, he despite all accounts, he shouldn't have, but he did. He spared other characters as well. Yeah. He's still, he's still evil. He's still evil, but he's got a mind to say no yeah. to stop. He has, he has some sort of moral compass. Oh, whatever, does. whatever small it is. Oh yeah. However tiny that that little gap is, then you know he's got that somewhere within um, him. Absolutely. Cool. So um, we are kind of approaching the end of this episode, yeah. aren't we? And uh, as always, we have these sort of like looking back kind of exercise that yes. we that we do. Um, Adam. Yes. What's the first thing you thought when you read Lord Voldemort Ooh. for the first time? I definitely felt a kind of fear when I first read that. When I first heard those lines about Voldemort and first read them, I immediately felt fear. I immediately felt, oh, what's this? Who's this? And then I thought maybe I, I didn't quite know where that character would go, but I certainly didn't expect the journey we would, to go on with Voldemort. I didn't see that at all. And I just grew to be fascinated by him. But the first initial thing was definitely fear. I definitely felt, oh, that's that's quite interesting. What's what's this? <laughs> Who is this character? How about you? What, what was your? Um, I think when I first read this, again, like the the for me, what fascinated me is this, um, 
this kind of cultural thing that people had that they wouldn't say his name. Yeah. And that that really fascinated me. Um, just because it's 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 a brilliant um thing to put in a book. Yeah, um, definitely. And also because I was thinking, what what has this dude done? Yeah. <laughs> to deserve this, yeah. you know, I was like, how evil can you be? Um, so so people, you know, are afraid even after you're supposedly dead yeah. to, to, to still speak your name, you know. No, it's really terrifying. Um, I was like, what? I, I wanted to. I, it was intriguing, you know, yeah. especially for somebody who's kind of obsessed with this kind of, you know, evil people like I am. Yeah. Um, for for me, for me, I, I was like, well, I just want to know everything about him. Yeah. And and the fact that we did not get everything we did not get to know everything about him again there's still 10 years that we don't we don't even have the slightest clue oh, but yeah. he did. um I, I i find that um a really smart thing to do by jk oh know? yeah um and i don't know i don't know what to think about him i part of me i guess it's the human in me wants to find something good to say about yeah. Lord voldemort um but i say the i think the moral of the story is that sometimes there's just people that you you know there's nothing you can do about exactly, them there yeah. w- there's always going to be evil ones and oh yeah and he's <laughs> unforgivably evil I yeah there, there's there's nothing i wish i could uh, for just for the benefit of this podcast i wish i could say um but look at this um mm. look look at this we part of him but you just can't there's no, no. there's no in or out in no. Voldemort. he's just there he's just evil it's, yeah and but i think Voldemort teaches us something really important, something that we tend to forget, is that if you were to put Harry in the same position that Lord Voldemort was, it would have been a totally different story. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which teaches us that where you come from and what you do and the environment around you um, does not define you as a person. Oh, not at all. It's the choices you make. Exactly. Um, As I said, Harry would have gone a different path altogether. Oh, yeah. And so with Voldemort, they would have gone two different paths if the circumstances were different. Exactly. But it just happened to be. So it's the choices you make, you know. The yeah. fact that um, Voldemort grew up without love did not make him unable to feel love. Yeah. Because Harry grew up without direct love. Um, it grew, He grew up with this implicit love that his mother gave him. Yeah. But Vernon and Petunia did not give him love. Oh, no him. way. However, he grew up to be a hero. Yeah, exactly. But Lord Voldemort grew up to be a villain. So. Yeah, very, Just, very different stuff there. Indeed. But anyway, thank you very much for listening this week, guys. It's been uh, really, really, really great to talk about Voldemort at last and talk about all his history and all these really cool complexities with the character. Uh, we hope you can join us again next week where we'll be discussing a little bit deeper into the world of Voldemort. We'll be going that one step extra. Yeah. And Eli here has a very, very something really cool yeah, planned for us. Uh, Next week is going to be quite an interesting yeah. uh, thing indeed. Uh, I just hope you can tune in with us, uh, have a listen and let us know what you think. Yes. Um, I would like to give a special thanks to all our new Facebook followers and old Facebook followers. Thank you very much for your input. Thank you very much for the great yes. stuff that you're sending us. And once again, do not forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, do not forget to rate us on SoundCloud. And we are now in iTunes. So, yeah, feel so download free. us on iTunes. Fantastic. Do not forget to comment and let us know what you think. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this journey. We'll see you again next week from me, Adam. And from me, Elijah. Have a magical day, guys. Thank you very much. Uh-huh.